As they're doing that, if you would like to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, that'll be the passage that we're kind of building off of today. There'll be a couple other places we go in Scripture, but uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is going to be our starting point. So last night, uh, my wife and I watched this television show. Uh, some of you might have seen it. It's Doctor Who is coming back. Big new season for Doctor Who. Um, I'm not a uh, big Doctor Who fan, a, a Whovian, but uh, it's not because I don't like it. I just kind of haven't jumped in with, with both feet on that yet, but my wife has. She really enjoys it, and, and so, you know, we sat down and just at the end of a long day enjoyed watching television, watching that show together, and, and that's something we do. We like sitting around at the end of the day and just catching up on some TV programming, watch Jimmy Fallon and whatnot, but uh, there's one thing on television that really kind of disturbs me. Um, and, and it's been on, you know, it's kind of been a trend for the last 10, 15 years is reality television. Uh, I'm not a, a big fan of most reality television. And you guys know what that is. It's kind of shows where instead of having, you know, trained professional actors and actresses coming in and, and reading from some sort of script, uh, they have supposedly kind of your average Joe, the guy down the street, who's on television having some aspect of his life filmed and, and, and broadcast to everybody. Uh, and if you haven't ever noticed, most of these shows really seem to revolve around some sort of specific talent or ability. So, you know, one of the biggest ones, of course, is American Idol. And it's, you know, singing. And of course, there's kind of the knockoff, the voice, and then there's the knockoff of the knockoff, which I don't really know what the name of it is, but it's got Kesha on it. Um, you know, and so there's all these ones around singing for people who can sing or who think they can sing, as sometimes is the case. Um, if you're into fashion, if you're into wearing fashion and modeling fashion, there's America's Next Top Model. If you're into creating fashion, there's Project Runway, right? If you're into survivalist stuff, you know, being out in nature and kind of seeing how much you can put yourself through, right? That's, that's really the first one that started this whole trend, Survivor, which, you know, that's kind of gotten watered down. Jimmy Johnson was on there and a couple other people, so it's not really all that hardcore. But if you want to go hardcore, and, and this is one my wife and I really actually do watch, is uh, Naked and Afraid. You know, so, so this is kind of survivor only. It's, it's really hardcore. They take you out, strip all your clothes off, go to some random place, and they give you one tool, uh, two tools, one tool per person. Um, and it's interesting. There's a lot of blurriness on the show, uh, but it's, it's biblical, right? Naked and Afraid, that's Genesis 3. So um, if you guys, everyone check that out. But, you know, there's all these other ones. Comedy, they've got Last Comic Standing. Uh, ninja Warrioring, there's America Ninja Warrior, you know, whatever your kind of specific talent or ability is, it seems like there's some sort of show for you, right? Anybody could find their little niche program that, that they could be on in reality television because we all have some sort of hidden talent or ability, right? Well, what I want us to talk about today are talents and abilities, um, or we're going to call them gifts. Uh, but specifically, I want us to talk about the gifts that have been given to Christians. We, we call these spiritual gifts. And, and I think they're a very important thing for us to discuss, a very important thing for us to look at as Christians and, and talk about, you know, what are they? How are we to use them? Where, when? You know, all these kind of questions about spiritual gifts. And so um, there are several texts that deal with this. But like I said, today we're going to begin by looking at 1 Corinthians 12. So if you'll turn there with me, 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 1, says this. 
Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and what we're going to see is that all believers have been given spiritual gifts, and they've been given them for the good of the church and to the glory of God. So if you pray with me real quick. Father, we thank you that we could gather here today, Lord. We thank you for your spirit that you have given to us as believers. We thank you that uh, and as much as that spirit has given us life and the ability to uh, communicate with you, it has also given us special gifts to use in the service of the church and to your glory, Father. And I pray that as we analyze this text today and, and the rest of Scripture, Father, that we would be um, informed and that we would be challenged, God, as we think about spiritual gifts, Lord. And I pray that you would just remove distractions from us today, that we might hear you and see you clearly, Lord, and that you could minister to our hearts. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so all believers have been given spiritual gifts for the good of the church and to the glory of God. Now, before we get into this, one of the things I think is really important for us to do is define what is the church. If we're saying that uh, spiritual gifts are for the good of the church, I really think it's important that we're all on the same page about what the church is, because this seems to be one of those areas where there's confusion. So what is the church? Well, um, oftentimes, particularly if you come from kind of a, a high church, real formal, maybe Catholic background, the church kind of comes across as a building. Right? We really probably wouldn't have that problem here. Uh, I don't think many of you guys like the Boys and Girls Club. That's the church, right? But the church sometimes is, is seen as a building, but it's not. Sometimes the church is seen as a business. It's kind of this thing out there that's peddling Christianity. You know, it's, it's kind of selling religion. It's trying to sell uh, hope or, or freedom or justice or whatever. And, and so they see the church as a, a business, just like any other business, just like, uh, you know, Apple or Samsung, but it's, it's not a business. Other people see church as a bureaucracy. It's this, this hierarchy of, of leaders who make decisions and control policy and, and are, are kind of deciding, you know, what is the message that people are going to hear? What is the image that we're going to portray? And so they, they think of bishops and, and popes and, and priests and, and pastors and clergy and, and this bureaucracy that exists out there. But again, that is not the church. Instead, what the church is, is this. And this is a quote from, from Greg Allison, a, a, a theologian. He says, The church is the people of God who have been saved through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and have been incorporated into his body 
through baptism with the Holy Spirit. So the church is the people of God. The church is people. Real short, the church is a gathering of saved people. When, when you come together, right, with other believers in Jesus' name, that is the church, right? That is exactly what Christ says to us in Matthew 18, right? So it's, it's the gathering of saved people. So when we're talking about for the good of the church, we're talking about for the good of that gathering, of that body, of, of, of those people who are, are getting together and making that common confession of Jesus as Lord, Right? And just to add on top of that, one additional thing that the scriptures say is that the church is the temple of God. It is where God's presence dwells with his people. Right? So it's not like in the Old Testament where there was a temple that you had to go to and that's where God dwelt. But when we gather, when we're together as believers, we are the church and God's presence is with us. So Ephesians 2 says this. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you, the church, are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So the church, the church is the gathering of saved people, and it's where God's presence dwells. Okay, so I really feel like it's important for us to understand this and to say this before we begin talking about how we are to use and, and what spiritual gifts are, are for. So with that under us, let's, let's talk about the importance of spiritual gifts. Right? We said all believers have been given spiritual gifts for the good of the church and to the glory of God. So all believers have been given spiritual gifts. Right? Along with receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation... Right? Thus, the Spirit comes into us. It, it takes that heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh. It makes us God-conscious. Right? It gives us the opportunity to pray to Him. But it also equips us with a certain set of, of gifts or talents or abilities. Right? Spiritual gifts. It's, it, it comes into us and it brings us life, but it also brings us these, these giftings that maybe are giftings we didn't have prior to salvation. Right? Ephesians 4 says this. It says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So grace was given to us both in salvation, but also, as he gets to here, grace was given to us in that we were gifted with certain spiritual gifts, certain talents and abilities to use for the church. And these gifts vary among believers. We're not all given the same gift set. So just like you look on television and, and there are people who can sing but probably would die if they went out on naked and afraid, there are also gifts that, that you have been given that others haven't been given and vice versa, right? There's a variety of spiritual gifts. And, and this diversity of gifts shows off the diverse power of the Spirit. It shows how powerful God is. So in 1 Corinthians 12, we see, now there are a variety of gifts but the same Spirit. And all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as he wills. You see, we don't need different spirits. There's not a, a spirit of preaching and a spirit of mercy and a spirit of... No, it's one Spirit who equips God's people in all these diverse ways. 
Because it's omnipotent. It's all-powerful. And so it gives us little bits and pieces of itself. The Spirit gives us little bits and pieces of himself to use for the church. Right? So we say, all believers have been given spiritual gifts. If you have confessed Jesus as Lord, if you've repented and believed in Jesus as your Savior, you have been given a spiritual gift or multiple spiritual gifts. And, and in a moment, we will get to, okay, what are they, right? But, but first, let's, let's go a little deeper in the importance here. So all believers have been given spiritual gifts. Now, for the good of the church, why have we been given spiritual gifts? Is it just to kind of show off? Did they give us like spiritual magic tricks that we can go out and be like, look at what God gave me? No, we have been given spiritual gifts for the good of the church. The primary goal of our gifts is the building up of the church. And, and this cannot be attested to anymore in scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4, 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Scripture is clear. There's, there's absolutely no way to miss this if you're actually looking at the text. Gifts, spiritual gifts, have been given to us for the good of the church, to build up the body, right? And the Spirit, the Spirit moves in us. He gives us these gifts to use for building up the church. And when we use them, he makes himself known, right? The Spirit makes himself known through our giftings. Because as I said, these, these giftings come from the Spirit. The Spirit is all powerful. And it kind of, it gives us bits and pieces of himself to use. And when we use those, He's made known. That's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's the seeing him. The, it's given a piece of himself that we might see so that when we're using the Spirit, people see the Spirit. The work of the church is supernatural. God isn't going out there and just saying, this person looks really talented. This person looks really talented. Let me assemble my dream team, right? I'm going to put together like the Avengers for us to go out there and fight evil, right? It also means the church is not to be this well-oiled machine where we're just out there recruiting the best of the best of the best. And unfortunately, a lot of churches look like this, right? You look at the leadership of the church and you say, oh, look at that guy. He's, you know, CEO of the company. Of course he should be leading the church. Oh, look at that person, you know. They have all of these wonderful talents and abilities. Of course, they should be up on front you know, up front, showing off, making our church look attractive. That's not the way it's meant to be. The church isn't supposed to be this well-constructed, well-thought-out machine put together by, by human handlers. The church is meant to be the people that God brings together who show off their God-given abilities and in showing them off, bring glory to God. Right? Also, this alleviates any conflict between doing good and protecting the truth. You see, the passion and the quest to manifest God, which, which churches have, right? We say, our goal is to glorify God. And yet oftentimes that winds up looking like we're really about theology. We love theology and big books and old dead people, right? And we love reading this stuff and just being all about right doctrine. 
And this sometimes, oftentimes, seems to be in conflict with those who want to do good for others. These kind of justice churches where, where they're like, our church exists to help the poor, to alleviate pain and suffering. We, we exist to, to clothe the homeless and all these other social ministries. And it seems like these are in conflict oftentimes, that right doctrine and caring for people seem to be opposite ends of the spectrum that, that can't come into line. And yet, what seeing our spiritual gifts in this manner does is it shows us there is no conflict here, right? When we do good for others by using our spiritual gifts, you're showing off God. You're making God known, right? And in the same way, if your desire is to make God known, you should be using your spiritual gifts. There is no conflict here. And unfortunately, too many churches don't realize that. Okay, let us not be like that. Let us see that the passion and quest to manifest God and the desire to do good to people are one quest. It's one journey. It's one path. So all believers have been given spiritual gifts for the good of the church and to the glory of God. You see, when we make God known and we follow him in obedience, by serving others, we glorify God. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right? We do this in order that God would be glorified. We give back to him. We say, you have given us these gifts. We are thankful for that. We are going to use these in service of the church to make your name known, to glorify your name in the world, which is the thing that we are supposed to be about doing all the time. So for to be glorifying God, for being, to be bringing glory to God. He's given us spiritual gifts in order to accomplish that task. So use them, right? And understanding the church is the temple, right? We go back, we said the church is the temple. It's where God's presence dwells. Also makes this clear, right? Because Peter says this, he says, we are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Paul also says the same thing in Romans 12. These spiritual sacrifices, right? They're not sacrifices of, of a goat or of, of some sort of calf, right? Or of, of bread or there's all kinds of stuff in the Old Testament you can sacrifice. That's not what it is. These sacrifices are using and offering the things God has given us, using our spiritual gifts. This is the church. When we use these gifts to build up the church, we are saying, God, here I am, I give myself to you, use me for the good of your body. So, there's the importance. All believers have been given spiritual gifts for the good of the church and to the glory of God. Now, what about these gifts? Right? You say, I've been given gifts, what are these gifts? I don't know what my gifts are. What counts as a gift and what is not a gift? Well, it's not so easy, right? I mean, there are varieties of spiritual gifts, the, the scriptures give us several examples. 
But honestly, there are ones that the scripture doesn't mention because they would not have made sense. One of your gifts might be to get up and play guitar for worship. Paul's not going to write that in scripture because Paul did not know what a guitar was, right? So we can't just look and say, these are the only gifts by looking at scripture. But what we can say is there are kind of categories of gifts. Scripture gives us categories of gifts, and then we have to kind of filter our talents and abilities and the things the Spirit has, has gifted us with and say, okay, do these fit, right? Is, is juggling a gift for the church? Well, maybe. And does it fit in these categories? Um, so what are the categories? Well, roughly speaking, there are kind of two categories. There's, there's speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. And again, we get this from 1 Peter 4. So, you know, we're never making stuff up. I'm never like, hey, these would be great categories. Come straight from Scripture. 1 Peter 4 says, one, there are speaking gifts. These are gifts where the person winds up speaking, talking, doing like this, preaching, leading a community group, um, leading worship, right? Could be maybe even a church consultant, someone who goes around and kind of helps churches make good decisions, you know, speaking gifts. Um, So this says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. So there are speaking gifts. This is kind of one category of giftings that we have been given. And then there are also serving gifts. So these are more kind of behind-the-scenes gifts. These are like the people who come in here and set the chairs up. Guess what? Chairs don't set themselves up, right? This stage does not build itself, and it also does not stay here during the week, right? There are people who have to serve and do that, right? And and these are, are serving gifts, right? But they are equally important, and this is what... If you read further in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about, you know, oh, there are parts that kind of get more glory and honor, but it's, it's, you know, it's not meant to be that way. All the parts have to work together to make things happen. And, and so we can't say, oh, geez, if I can't be the preacher, I'm not going to do anything, right? That's just not the way it's meant to work, right? But again, Peter says, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, you see, God has gifted us all differently. We've been gifted with speaking gifts. We've been given, gifted with serving gifts. Um, and, and there's, you know, there are lists in Scripture. So here's another one. Romans 12 uh, says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Right? They're different gifts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there are many spiritual gifts that kind of fall into these two broad categories of speaking and serving. And there are lists that kind of play it out. But again, there there are just things that we have to ask. We have to say, Is this a gift? Is this the way God has gifted me to serve the church, right? Just look at yourself. See if there is a need, if there's a place for those gifts that God has given you. And so here's the challenge, right? We're all about kind of the ice bucket challenge right now. Um, So here's the challenge for you guys, okay? Um, If the church is the gathering of saved people, And if all saved people have been given spiritual gifts to use for the good of the church, what are you doing to exercise your gifts? You see, there's there's no out. 
the church has saved people, saved people have spiritual gifts. If you belong to that, if you're saying, hey, I'm here, I'm part of that, I confess Jesus as Lord, you have a spiritual gift, what are you doing to exercise your gifts? You see, God did not give us these gifts to sit on the sideline, right? God did not give you gifts to not do anything. And a gift, I'll tell you one thing that is not a gift, is keeping a chair warm, right? That's not a spiritual gift. So if that's all we're doing with our Christianity is kind of keeping a chair warm for an hour and a half, we're missing out. We have been given gifts of the Spirit to use for the good of the church and to the glory of God. And if we're not doing that, I would say maybe even we're in sin, right? If God gives you something and you're just like, eh, God, I'm good. I'm just going to sit on this. That's not obedience, right? That's not following God in obedience. That's not acting out in response to what God has done for you. And of course, there are excuses. There are things where we're like, oh, yeah, but I don't know, but maybe, I'm, right? There's these bad excuses that exist. One of them, um, I don't want to be caught up in doing works of the law. You know, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm free in Christ. It's like the super pious thing where we're like, oh, I'm, I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone. I don't need to do anything. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't need to do anything for your salvation. That doesn't mean you don't need to do anything in the church. Right? Nobody is saying by spiritual gifts you are saving yourself. Read the passages. It never says that. Paul never says, you've been given spiritual gifts to use to save yourself. That's not in there. It says you've been given spiritual gifts to use for the common good. So that's no excuse for not working. That's no excuse for not using your spiritual gifts. Nobody thinks that they are saving themselves or should not think that they are saving themselves. We certainly aren't teaching that you are saving yourself by using your spiritual gift. And so that, that's not, not a good excuse. Another one is too busy, right? This is kind of the cop-out because we, we say, you know, oh, we want to be about taking care of families and we want you to, to you know, be successful in your job and in school. And, and I've seen it. I, I saw one time, you know, a ministry that was really thriving and, and people were really excited about serving God. And then they kind of started getting burdened. They're like, oh, I've got all this homework I'm not really paying enough attention to my classes. And, and people started feeling bad. They were like, oh, I can't make people fail their classes because I'm asking them to go out and serve the church. And so we're like, okay, that's cool. You're good. You don't have to serve. And then, and then all of a sudden, like everybody was burdened with their homework and, and their classes, right? And, and yeah, I'm not saying like totally neglect your family in the service of the church. Nobody would ever ask you to do that, hopefully. Um, but what I'm saying is, I bet there's time, right? I bet there's time when you might be sitting around watching reality shows, naked and afraid, naked dating, right? Where maybe instead of doing that, you could use your gift somehow. You know, you don't have to use it 40 hours a week. It's not a full-time job for most people. But if you exercise that spiritual gift for an hour, a couple of hours every week, that, that's what God is calling you to do. That, that is the, 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 the task that's been set before you. Are you really that busy that you can't do anything? I mean, because the church is a family, right? We've been using this body metaphor, but the church is also a family. And, and we're members of a family. And in a family, people have responsibilities, right? We've got two kids, one on the way, and, and those kids 
They have responsibilities to the family. Mommy and daddy don't just do everything. And it shouldn't be that way in the church. It shouldn't be, you know, Tanner and John and John and the couple of people who volunteer do everything, right? And you might not be able to pull as much weight. We don't ask Gavin to do a lot, our three-year-old. We say, hey, Gavin, pick up your toys and flush the toilet after yourself, right? Those are like your responsibilities, okay? Our 13-year-old, we give her more responsibilities. We say, hey, can you take out the trash? Can you help clean up after dinner? Can you vacuum your room and your brother's room? Right? There, there are more responsibilities there. And, and each of us will have different levels of responsibilities and gifts and service that we're able to give, but we are all expected to give. How upset do you think our kids would be if, if when this baby is born that, that we're about to have, if, if when he or she is born, we say, oh, well, this baby doesn't have to do anything. This baby has no chores, no responsibilities. You guys still have your normal chores, but, but this one's special. We're just going to kind of let him sit, take up space. Right? No, that's not the way families work. And so it's not the way the church should work. Okay, we kind of have this cute statistic of, oh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And it's all, you know, statistics are made up. So it can be 15% of the people do 85% of the work. And we kind of quote that. And then we're like, oh, that's nifty. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, maybe I'm one of the 15%. Look how great I am. If you're one of the 15%, that should make you sad. That should means that, you know, 85% of the people around you aren't pulling their weight. And if you're part of that 85% that's not doing anything, how can you help? And so examples of ways to serve. There's many of them here, okay? Serve team, right? The stage doesn't build itself. The chairs don't set themselves up. They don't pick themselves up afterwards. Most anybody can be a part of this, right? If, if nothing else, you can jump in here. Childcare. I know that this is a need here. Do you see all the children running around, right? If you have the ability to sit in a room with three-year-olds for an hour and not kill any of them, you might be given the spiritual gift of childcare. okay? Follow-up. People come here. They visit, right? They need follow-up. We have to contact them, email, call them, show up at their home, right? Follow-up. Again, that's something you can do if you're outgoing, if you love being with people. Maybe God has gifted you with the ability to follow up. Outreach. Again, outreach. Go out. Share your faith. Invite people to church. We all can do this. Music. Maybe you've been given musical talents, musical abilities. Serve, sing, play instruments. Okay? A community group leader. Right? We have community groups. We need people to lead community groups. Right? That's an easy way to get involved in serving that doesn't necessarily involve teaching up here and that type of gifting. But, but if God has gifted you to study the word and, and encourage you to teach, that's a great way to get involved. Discipleship, one-on-one, -on -one, sitting down across a table from another guy or from another girl and encouraging them in the faith, helping them grow. Badly needed in the church. Administration. If you like counting dollars and cents and making sure that all of the columns line up, right? If you like making sure that you don't fall out of, you know, whack with the tax code and other things, churches need that. If that is what you've been gifted with, that's a way you can serve in the church. Hospitality. If you like opening up your home, cooking a meal for people, you don't have to be a community group leader. You can open up your home to host a community group, right? This is in scripture. In the book of Acts, Mark's mother has a big home. She just uses it to let the apostles come there and, and teach and, and spend time and, and stay away from those who are trying to put them in jail. That is a spiritual gift. If God has gifted you with a house big enough for more than just your family, right? Use it to serve. 
maybe you don't know what you're gifted in, right? We could do spiritual gifts inventories, not big on those, but we can check that out. Um, Or you can just ask somebody. You can say, hey, what have you seen me doing that I'm good at? You know, where have you seen me serve or or things in my life that you think maybe would be a, a place where I could serve the church? Or here's a novel thing, just do something, right? And God will let you know if that's a place you need to be or not, right? Um, American Idol, like this is the king of the just do something. There's all kinds of people out there who think they're really good singers. Most of them aren't, right? And that'll be clear. There'll be judges that'll say, this is not for you, right? If you serve, you know, serve in child care, serve in setup, whatever, and it's just not a good fit, you know, then that'll become clear to you. Someone will come alongside and say, hey, um, you can't make a straight line. We need you to be in something else, right? But just do something, okay? Do something. And if there's nothing around here, the shameless plug, if you can't find a place here, there's definitely need for you in Charlestown. So uh, we don't have anybody to do anything at this point. So if if you're like, oh, they seem like they're good there, uh, trust me, we could find a place for you to play bongos, all kinds of stuff. So, all right. So this this is where we are. As a believer, you've been given spiritual gifts. You can use those gifts. You not just can, you should use those gifts for the good of the church, to glorify God. If you're not exercising those gifts, figure out how you can. Figure out what they are. Maybe you're just, it's the paralysis of analysis. You just don't know what they are. And so you're like, I'm just not going to do anything because I don't know what I should do. Okay? Find a way to exercise your gifts. And now, if you're not a believer, right? One, it kind of feels like this whole sermon wasn't addressed to you, which unfortunately, you know, it's the way spiritual gifts are. They are things that are given to believers. But guess what? You could become a believer, right? Uh, God has made this offer to us. He says, you know, you have this need. You have this brokenness. You have this sin in your life. Your relationship with God has been dissolved because of sin. You are alone. You don't know him. You probably feel this, right? And yet he sent his son to die on the cross to to pay for your sins and to give you the opportunity to be restored to that relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you're not a believer, that's a take-home message. Like the last 40 minutes would be good for you to know once you become a believer. But here in these last couple of minutes, I want you to hear this. If you have not trusted Jesus as Lord, if you've not confessed your sin, if you've not repented, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, do so. That's the challenge for you today. Hear God calling you. Feel the Spirit moving in you and respond. And again, if you are a believer, ask yourself, how can I be using my gifts? How can I serve the church? How can I be glorifying God through the talents and abilities that he has given me to use? So if you'll pray with me. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. We thank you for your spirit, which you have gifted us through, that you've allowed us to have these gifts that we might serve you and and serve the church and, and, and serve our brothers and sisters, that we might glorify you, Father. And I pray that that you would just let us accept this challenge to see where we can use our spiritual gifts, how we can use our spiritual gifts, Lord, 
I pray that you would make our gifts clear to us if we don't know what they are already. Pray that you would let us to encourage one another and help one another find our spiritual gifts as brothers and sisters. Uh, And Father, I pray if there's anyone here who has not received you today, Lord, I pray that their primary concern would just be seeing you and knowing you, knowing their need for a Savior, knowing that you have fulfilled that need and all they have to do is submit. All they have to do is confess their sins and trust in you to place their faith in in the finished work of Christ on the cross for their salvation. And so, God, we just bring this before you today. I pray, God, that you would just um, continue moving through people during this time of response and, and allow us to just be moved by your Spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.